Hey guys, so Cheryl and Nancy here for Peeling the Onion Podcast. Today we're going to do something sort of new and exciting on this show that we've never gotten to do before, which is actually Nancy and I are going to interview each other. You know, we started Peeling the Onion as hopefully inspiration for everybody else on their healing journeys, but we too have had our own healing journeys. And so this is a great opportunity to get to know us more Um, and hopefully our own stories will inspire you just by as we are inspired by other people's stories of healing and success and so forth. Welcome to Peeling the Onion podcast with Cheryl Passwater and Nancy Campbell. Join us in a range of experts as we explore the layers of physical, mental, and spiritual health and talk through ideas for how we can support your wellness journey. Let's jump in and peel the onion. Yes, I'm so excited to do this. It's been something that I think has helped me along the way. And so I'm sure is heck here hoping that everybody else can be inspired a little bit that you might feel stuck where you are or puzzled, um, but there's always progress um, through the messiness. So, and I think we decided before we got on here, right? You're going to start by interviewing me. You're in the hot seat, Nancy. You're in the hot hot. It's hot in here. It's hot. Are your potatoes burning? Yes, I can feel them. All right. <laughs> Let's get started. Well, let's get started. Um, well, I mean, I would love to hear about like, what was your aha moment? The aha moment where it was like, something wasn't working or serving you or what sort of was your aha and sort of got you going um, on a more holistic healing journey? Yeah, well, there have been a lot of aha moments, but the initial one, which is a great question, it started way back when in 2007, (laughs) working my tail off as a graduate student in Brooklyn, working in Manhattan um, in the field of of urban planning. It's a whole other separate life that I had. Um, And I had recently met my now husband. um, And at the time I was smoking a half pack a day, maybe a quarter of a pack to a half pack a day, living off of lots of caffeine and basically surviving off of bagels and pizza and whatever the heck else I could shove down my throat or find that was cheap because I was broke and I was stressed and I was running from one thing to the next at all times. And what was my aha moment was that I could not stay awake at my desk. I just physically could not stay awake. And I, it didn't matter how many of the cigarettes that I smoked. It didn't matter how much caffeine I drank. It didn't matter how hydrated I was or wasn't. It didn't matter what I ate. I couldn't stay awake. And so by, and, and what I mean by that is like, I would get to work in the morning and I would feel pretty good. And then I would hit that lull post breakfast and of right. And even just maybe it depended on what I had for breakfast and whether or not I would crash after breakfast or it would depend on how I was feeling after lunch. And I would crash after lunch. It's pretty embarrassing when you're in the middle of a big office and you can't, you, you, I literally not, could not keep my head up off the, the desk. I was exhausted and I knew I had to change. Sounds very similar to my own experience. Yeah, <laughs> we will learn about shortly. I know. Um, yeah, wow. So, what, like, what was there anything that really, like, you know, it's sort of this series of things that started to happen, but was there like 
a pivotal moment where you were like, yeah, hey, there yeah man, something. <laughs> well, no, there was. So, so here I am, I'm dating this, this man who's now my husband, Greg, and he had been receiving acupuncture. So he'd already been this active, you know, avid Manhattanite, you know, roving bachelor for the last decade. (laughs) And he had all these great connections. And he was like, listen, you really should try acupuncture and give it a shot. I'm, I'm loving it. You've said that you wanted to quit smoking, which, you know, they, all the studies had shown at that point in 2006, that cessation for, for smoking addiction was really successful with acupuncture. And he's like, maybe some of this other stuff could, could help. And so this, this was all in the spring of 2007, I started with some acupuncture to kind of help with, you know, it was certainly helping me with my energy levels and helping me really think about what I was eating and what I was doing and how I was spending my time and what I was eating. And then came this like failed swoop in it was like a, you know, one of those moments where everything kind of comes together, where I had gone to, I had a gynecological appointment and discovered that I had a pretty big fibroid and a fibroid is a non-malignant tumor that was growing on my uterus. And for me, mine was on the outside of my uterus. And, um, it was, well, what we came to find out was actually a really rapidly growing fibroid, which started at the size of a, about a lemon, and then very quickly grew to the size of a grapefruit. Wow. And so, yeah. (laughs) So basically like a small, like I was mildly pregnant, right? I mean, I was, you know, probably in like my second trimester is what kind of the equivalent and that I was feeling all that pressure on my bladder. And then I was looking, so as I was contemplating this, it became really clear that I was going to have to have surgery to remove it, which is called a myomectomy. And in order to do that kind of myomectomy is basically like, like having a C-section. So they had to do a bikini incision and, you know, and, and it wasn't something that, that, that they could do laparoscopically at the time because it was so big. And so when you, you know, when faced, this is my first big surgery and first big hospitalization. And so when faced with that kind of a decision, thinking about why does a fibroid grow to that size in my body, what contributed to it? Why was I so exhausted? I was also having like repeated yeast infections over and over and over again, uh, which didn't really go away after the myonectomy, but it was just all this large, like, you know, tunnel vision that I was experiencing, realizing that things had to change. And so I had surgery in August of 2007 and they were like, listen, there's, you cannot be smoking before you come into the surgery girl. So you, you know, you better shape up before you walk in here. And I just made a decision to cut my smoking habit. And that had actually been a 15 year smoking habit. Cause I started as a teenager. So wow. yeah. Okay. Anyway, watch out for this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there. <Yep>. Um, there. <laughs> Wow. That's pretty amazing. So you had your surgery and then what happened next? What was like the thing? So the thing that really crossed my, like crossed things off the list from there and was truly a series of meeting the right people of discovering um, what it meant to create a healthcare team around me. Um, so my recovery from the myomectomy 
was long, was really long. And I realized at that time that I was extremely exhausted. Like my, my energy levels after the surgery were extremely low and I spent lots and lots of time just sleeping. Um, and if you think about like a general, a woman who's gone through a C-section, most people recover pretty quickly and rebound and there is some restrictive movement, but, but my energy levels were, were really low. And so from there on out, I had eventually figured out that I needed to get, you know, between acupuncture, between looking at my, what I was eating, grappling with my addiction to cigarettes, you know, thinking about also I was having a ton of bloat and gastrointestinal issues that just weren't making sense. And my acupuncturist referred me to a gastro, a gastro internologist. I can never say that word in one failed swoop, um, but who helped me, who was actually really progressive at the time and said, listen, I've had great success with clients who just pull out gluten and pull out dairy. And because basically after doing your colonoscopy, there's nothing there that, that gives me any signs of alarm um, or there, and there's no definitive diagnosis, which just means that you get clumped into the club of having IBS, which is just essentially a nondescript way of saying there's lots of, of inflammation in your gut and it needs to be addressed through diet, which is the first way that we address that. And the minute that I took out, out gluten and I took out dairy, my body shrank by 15 pounds and literally took two weeks. And I just felt like, oh, that's what it feels like not to have brain fog. Oh, that's what it feels like to have more energy. And my dad, and, and oh, and that's what it feels like not, not to be bloated. And so, of course, you know, I was young and and naive. So I thought, okay, I'll have a beer tonight and then I'll just get back on the gluten-free bandwagon or I'll have a slice of pizza and a beer tonight and I'll get back tomorrow on the gluten-free bandwagon and the dairy-free bandwagon. And I just, my gut just expanded and I, you know, I felt it and I, you know, you're, I was still, I was dating Greg, but I was still, you know, conscious of my body, how it looked, how it felt. And I didn't want to be bloated and I didn't want to be tired. And I I felt so sluggish after I did those things. And so um, once I got really clear about where, how diet, how gluten, at least, at least at that point, how gluten and dairy were having an effect on, on my body at the very visceral level, like what it felt like what my digestion felt like and what my energy levels felt like I knew I had to keep literally and, you know, pardon the pun, but peeling back the onion. And that was, that was the start of it. Um, It really helped that I I knew it really helped that I had people around me. um, And I I had to keep going back to acupuncture because quite frankly, that's really what Chinese medicine is really what got me to thinking about this from a non-invasive um, empower my body to heal itself perspective. That is one of the core essences of Chinese medicine and understanding how we move chi and energy through the body. And, um, and so the thing that kind of kept me going was um, meeting a woman named Sarah Chase, who had, and which is actually how you and I met, right, Cheryl? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Hey, Sarah. 
Yeah. Thank you, Sarah, for being the matchmaker that you are, that she ran Brooklyn acupuncture project in Brooklyn. And I've, she was, her clinic was a lot closer to my house and she was also offering, um, you know, I, I could volunteer there in exchange for, 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 for treatments. And so I was really embedded in the beginnings of that practice. And Sarah and I sort of like a lecture series around dietary issues around looking at candida overgrowth, which is just, which was contributing to all of my, you know, good times, yeast infections. Woo-hoo. And so, um, Yeah. And so Sarah and I really dug deep. We were both dealing with our own, you know, healing journeys and we're surrounded by people at the clinic who were also dealing with their healing journeys. And so getting into the weeds was not, um, you know, unheard of in, in that, in that setting. So it was great to be able to talk about digestion so freely and to be able to check in with somebody who like her, who, who had a a great perspective to offer me and to help coach me through it. And then one thing leads to another, and she and I actually started teaching classes, um, from, from the Brooklyn acupuncture clinic. And we, um, then eventually started doing joint culinary classes with a chef and with her and, and, and with myself, which that just actually led me right into going to um, the Maryland University of, of, of Integrative Health to get my master's in nutrition and, and integrative health. And for sure, with the exposure to that program and all the instructors, I was able to actually dig even deeper into what was going on and how my body was, um, reacting to stress. And, um, quite frankly, so much of what I think I was ultimately facing was all related to stress. Right. Well, it's amazing, right? Stress looks so many different ways. I think we think of like stress as like this external thing that happens, but it's like, it's food intolerances and it's parasites and it's, you know, environmental toxicity, and then it's physical toxicity and physical stress. And you know, so many different things, not sleeping stress. Um, Wow. And it's amazing how it like, it messes with our ability to feel like vibrant and sexy and all the kind of, you know, things that, you know, we should all be feeling. feeling. Yeah. I mean, that, that was it totally. And I, I felt like, um, you know, I always, you know, I was always just grappling with the idea that like, I, okay, I, I surely I can get, I can do all these things. And then, you know, and I'll do this cleanse and in a couple of weeks, I'll feel better. And I can just kind of go back to drinking the same amount of alcohol and having the occasional cigarette and, you know, having the pizza pizza, like everybody else and not have to be such a problem child or feel like I was such an odd, odd girl out at, like at a party, um, you know, and it just wasn't true. And I had to keep really a check on myself and my integrity and, you know, my unwillingness to, to feel bad. And the only way that I honestly got to the point where I'm at now, where my IBS symptoms have gone Um, my IBS symptoms, by the way, ran me between constipation and diarrhea, but mostly diarrhea, good times, great conversation. Let's, let's talk about it at dinner. (laughs) (laughs) 
lots of fire. <laughs> yes. And, and there were bouts of, and then there were also just like moments of severe, not, not severe constipation, but constipation where I was like, you know, things are just blocked up and, and then tons of bloat and gas. And so, um, which is just the body's way of saying, Hey, over here, by the way, things aren't working. You need to stop. Whatever's going on here is, is not working out very well. And so I just wasn't willing to feel bad anymore. And I can't tell you like what drove me into finally just biting the bullet on the discipline to stay focused. I mean, I wasn't disciplined about sleep. I'll be clear about that for a long time. It took me, it's still, it's still a struggle. It's still part of my journey to be, to, to be disciplined about rest and sleep. But I am so disciplined about not eating gluten and I'm so disciplined about not eating uh, like other things. And I have been better disciplined about not eating cow's milk. Um, but knowing that sheep's milk and goat's milk feels good to my digestive system. Um, because it lacks because, because they lack the casein protein and in, 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 like, and so that, that clearly it wasn't lactose. That was the problem for me with dairy. It was the casein, um, uh, which was aggravating my, my gut. And so Anyway, um, I, I could talk on and on about this, but the point is there's so many little nuances of this. And I think what in working with clients in, in, in my private practice and in seeing how stressful this can be on someone, it is um, finding that moment of being unwilling to tolerate the status quo of feeling like shit. Um <laughs> And in not willing to sort of give up and really being clear to follow my intuition um, and to keep plugging away at it, knowing and some sometimes I got very, very, very frustrated and um certainly had some some actually ran into some fertility challenges. That was a whole nother level of my health journey. Um which, which we can certainly talk about some other time, but that, that like led me, led me even further down. So I think, but when I think back on like how my onion has um, been unpeeled, um, there had been, certainly had been chapters and there certainly have been, um, layers that haven't been completely, um, peeled back yet. So, um, there's I'll wrap up there. (laughs) Unless you have any more burning questions or more about (laughs) stay tuned to hear more about Nancy's journey. (laughs) Happy to share. I just don't want to burden in people's ears. (laughs) So I mean, it's um, interesting how it goes in like these waves and that you're right. It's like chapters. There's like, you know, like pieces that kind of come together over time um, and how everybody's story is totally different. It is. It is totally different. But I will say one thing that, that is in common is that there are these little pings that come along, like little like, and, and a ping could come from, you know, someone recommend, you know, recommending you to somebody that, that, that they know to talk to them. It, it could be a referral. It could be just an intuitive hunch um, that leads you down a rabbit hole of research and finding somebody who, who's an expert to help you, you know, in, in that area. Um, and it could be just like a podcast or something one-off that happens that you hear in the news 
um, that makes you start to put pieces of a puzzle together. Yeah. And, well, we, discount, yeah. we discount intuition so much. Yes. Like that checking in with yourself, really taking the time to sit into yourself, into your body, into a space. Yeah. Right. And like following that instinct of like, you know, and I see it all the time in my own practice where it's like, you know, I get a new client or we start to get some like answers and some labs and some different things will come back. And then they're like, I knew my intuition (laughs) was right. And I can't tell you how often, you know, that happens. And it's, um, it's really cool. It happens all the time. And and I feel like we are, we, I have nothing against doctors and the experts. We need them and like, and we need them to be well-trained and we need them to be as well, well-educated and great advocates for us. Um, but we also need to understand that they, they are also humans and sometimes they are not right. And there were moments when I went through a doctor's office and came out saying, I'm not going to go see them again. And I only because I just feel like they didn't have it. They didn't really have the bandwidth to listen to me. I didn't feel heard or I don't actually think that they heard where I wanted to go with this, with this strategy. And I needed, and and I needed another opinion. And I think it's really important not to get stuck in um, feeling obligated uh, or trapped by the curtain of expertise. I'm not saying that they're like they're they're wrong or evil or anything along those lines. I'm simply just saying keep your intuition, um, keep keep the lines and the the way that you listen to your intuition, especially with your health and your body, really clear, so that you know what what is the right next step and the right next person to get advice from. Totally. Well, and to add to that, you know, it's like the, you know, doctors are only trained a certain way or a certain kind of ways. And so it's like, I always like to say to my students, like, if my arm gets ripped off, I want a surgeon. Emergency medicine can be amazing. Sometimes antibiotics can be life-saving, yet they can be overprescribed. And there are gaps (laughs) that can happen, that will happen. And you know, we have to have a, a good, nice big bridge um, between, you know, modalities and practices and, um, and other things. And yeah. so I agree a hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. And it, it's, it's fascinating that, that our medical system is parsed out into so many specializations and it sometimes takes um, a team and sometimes it just takes the right, the right person who can see the big picture. It just, it just depends on your case. And so I think there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with either approach for sure. Yeah. So that's my story. I mean, I still, I will say, I think I already mentioned that sleep is, is one of my biggest hiccups, but um, I think the biggest burn, the biggest issues I feel, and I think there are, there, there's a tendency for us to have these like core symptoms follow us. And I, I think, one of them is just adrenal over overrun, you know, and I, w- I won't use the word burnout, but I'm going to just say like I've taxed and my body shows up in certain ways when I, when I am taxed. And part of that issue is, is sleep and, and managing stress. So that's the biggest thing that is, that is residually 
hanging out with me, um, which includes some, some hormonal imbalances, but that's, that's for another day. Well, you don't fix the thing and then you don't make, you know, and not maintain. And I think that, you know, that's a big part. I think of the story and what you've learned and what I've learned and a lot of other people, which is, um, we also have to maintain and do tune-ups and, you know, keep an eye on the car and, and reevaluate. I mean, frankly, we just, we all get in bad, in bad habits, you know, and, and, and there are, there are stressful seasons and then we have to come out of that stressful season and, and take care of our bodies and take care of our, our brains and, and recalibrate and then, and move on. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so I want to hear, I want to talk to you about your journey. Are you ready? I'm ready. My buns are on fire. Can't wait. <laughs> oh! All right. So here we go. Um, buns on fire. So Cheryl Passwater, where, what was your instigator? Tell us how everything kind of lit speaking. How did just shit, how was shit lit on fire for you? And what? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think, I mean, similarly to you, like graduate school sort of was the, was a big sort of um, thing that sort of tipped, tipped the bucket. Um, but I think, you know, leading up to that, like I, you know, I had a lot of colds and stuff, like middle school, high school, you know, some allergies and hive type things, things that you wouldn't necessarily think were a big thing. And I never thought was a really a thing. Um, and then I had lived in a apartment in college. I'm going to come back to why this is a pivotal point in my story. Um, that was just very old and gross and as nasty and gnarly as you think any 19, 20 year old would live in. <laughs> and you know, like, you know, it was on like the, like the list of like, was it a historic list of like haunted houses? Oh, wow. <laughs> After I lived there, it was terrible. Anyway. You have uh, a ghost in the house? I, yeah. So I was just having like a lot of issues with like, after that with like bronchitis and then ear infections and sinus infections. And this really went on from like college into my twenties. Um, and then when I was like 24, I had shingles. Mm, wow. Um, which 24 year old, 24 year olds, no shingles, you know, um, again, didn't know any better. Didn't really, you know, change much. Um, and then I started developing adult onset asthma. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I was having asthma, some asthma attacks. So my journey was steroids and inhalers and yeah. all this stuff started and, you know, Fast forward, um, in my sort of um, late 20s, I went to graduate school mm-hmm. and um, did, worked on my dual master's degree. So, um, yeah, yeah, I was working on two master's degrees while working and TAing and interning, which, you know, um, yeah. screamed stress in every way. Um, also, at the time, I had been a vegetarian for 15 years, so I was you know, eating a you know, fair amount of soy products and a lot of grilled cheese and pasta and pizza and tuna melts and drinking a pot of coffee a day and, you know, <laughs> living in my, living in my studio and yeah. just sort of like, um, not, you know, getting no sleep and, you know, went through that entire process. Then, um, 
I finished grad school and I swear it was like, I walked across the stage and my body just cracked. Like it just bottomed out. And I was just constantly sick. I sort of turned greenish gray, like Kermit the frog. No way. Your skin turned. Yeah, it was greenish gray. It was pale pale and terrible. Um, Don't I look good now? Yeah. And I was just always sick. I always had an ear infection. I always was having a sinus infection. I always had bronchitis. I was having asthma attacks wow. and then the asthma attacks, I was having like one a week mm-hmm. and kind of constantly finding myself at a doctor at <laughs> you know, a different hospital, a different, like whatever. And, um, one day a friend of mine, we, uh, were at an event and she, I was coughing. I had, a, I had this cough, like an emphysema patient. Mm-hmm. It's the only way I could describe it. That's the only way other people have described it. And mm-hmm. she, we walked out to the event she handed me her credit card and was like, I want you to go to my doctor. I don't know what the hell is going on with you, but you sound like an emphysema patient. It's like, just put it on my credit card. Like I want you tested for mono. Like and she was older than me, wiser and you know, all the things at the time. And I went to her doctor and the doctor of course was like, Oh, well you have allergies. Get rid of your cat. Um, here's more antibiotics and more steroids and kind of sent me on my way. Wouldn't test me for anything. Mm. Um, and so this continued on for a little bit longer, but it was getting to a point where I was sleeping like 12 hours a day and like exhausted and like could barely, you know, make it through my, through my day at all. I was teaching part-time at a private school and it was like, I felt like I was uh, dragging myself through. And so one day I, I talked, finally was like, all right, I got the name of a um, really cool clinician. Um, her name is Meg Ricicci. Um, she has a podcast called the hormone lifestyle zone now, um, and was an acupuncturist and more, um, nutrition, you know, et cetera. And so I had talked to her and I was like, I have no idea how the hell I'm going to pay for this chick. And so I decided to sell all my music gear. Um, I'd played in a bunch of bands. And so I went down to the corner pawn shop and I took all my music gear, put it up, like whatever they would buy, walked out of there with a wad of cash booked an appointment, went in the next day, put a wad of cash on her table. And I was like, look, this is every penny I have. Wow. <laughs> I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I can't keep living like this. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Wait, wait. So just pause. Like you're this, you're this artist musician, like living the dream and you just walk in and sell it all because you have to get well. Yeah. In New York city. Cause oh I barely, barely get by New York right. city. <laughs> You know, living in this house with like some friends and like, yeah. um, and I went to go see her. I had never had acupuncture before. Mm. Had this acupuncture session, but like, wow, just deeply connected me to it as a modality. Um, kind of the rest of my natural life. I'm such a fan. Um, and she took me off gluten and dairy and sugar and all the things. And I remember coming home and opening my refrigerator and crying because I didn't know what gluten was. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to eat leaves, leaves and sticks for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> I really, but what it was one of my pivotal moments was eating a burger <laughs> for the first time. And, and I had been craving meat. And I remember... 
I, I had, I had decided in the moment cause I knew, I knew going to her, I was like, she may tell me I need to start eating meat and I'm going to have to be okay with that. And so what I had decided, and it's a truth, I still hold true, like at very in my day-to-day life now, which is like, if I'm going to eat meat, then I'm going to eat organic grass fed, the best source meat I can get. Mm-hmm. I'm going to honor all components of the animal. I will learn to make bone broth. I will learn to make pate. I yeah. will learn how to use opal and livers and hearts. And I will honor the whole animal and that, and you know, to this day, that's, that's how I, that's how I do meat. So, 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 so time out. I can imagine if I were listening to this and, and I'm a vegetarian or a vegan and I'm having all these health issues and I'm thinking there's no way in hell I'm going to eat meat. It doesn't matter what you say to me. Wh- what made you think walking into our office that she might ask you to eat meat? I'm just curious. Where'd that come from? Just a sense. Oh, I, that that, that I, old I, intuition. Yeah, intuition. I just... I had a sense. I knew it was something that maybe would come up. I is that because you were feeling depleted and you ha- and you were having cravings? Was there some sort of association there? I think it was both. Okay, I think it was both. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, no, any no, there was no big trigger to it. I just was like, I also felt so shitty mm. <laughs> all the time mm. that I just knew, like anything could be on the table and it was either I was willing to do it or I wasn't right. And I was so dirt poor. I didn't have the money to gamble with or waste or anything. Like I had put all of it, right. All my, all my, all of it and all my gold coins into one bag and plopped it on her table and was like, wow, I have to do something. Wow. Um, what a, what a lot of pressure for her. <laughs> <laughs> so here lady you don't know me but you're gonna save my life <laughs> this is all my money yeah and Love she it. did she I mean to this wow. day like Meg saved my life and she started she started my journey she has not been the um only part of my journey um I have had many amazing people that have been healers in my world mm-hmm. uh, but she started my journey and I worked with her for about a year and I till I couldn't afford her anymore, and I didn't have any more music gear to sell, and right. <laughs> you know, the whole deal. and um, and then about a year after that, I started learning a little bit more about candida. Yeah, it's kind of like reading a little bit more about like antibiotics and steroids, and I was kind of realizing like, oh, I'm, you know. 10 out of these 12 symptoms, like maybe I have candida. So I did, I spent a year on a candida cleanse, which is too long probably to be on a candida cleanse. Mm-hmm. Um, however, at the end of the year, I healed my asthma. I never went on another inhaler. I never went on another steroid and like came out of it. I had lost like, I lost like a hundred pounds in a year. Yeah. Yeah. I looked great. I felt great. In fact, to this day, I'm like, wow, that was when I felt my best. However, not sustainable long-term. Um, this so is important hard. because it actually comes back to my now. Um, you know, and then I did really well for a few years. I was, you know, feeling pretty good, you know, doing really well. And then um, about four years ago, yeah, I guess it was almost four years ago years ago um four years ago we were at a party at a friend's house 
and spending the night. And I got ruthlessly sick one weekend. Mm, what just, happened? We couldn't exactly. We were like, and like this mystery. So then it just like we spent a year, my partner and I spent this like year thinking like I was just this grouchy person, terrible person at this party. <laughs> stayed at this person's house, but I was sick as a dog. Mm-hmm. Not realizing like I, I thought it was just like I got the, this nasty cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we find out like a year later, the friend's house had mold. Oh no. And, and I have mold sensitivity. I'm allergic to like penicillin and all kinds of stuff. And also you have to clear all your yeast before you can clear mold. This is important yeah. to the yeah. now because more. I had had this exposure. Mm-hmm. I was starting to have this sort of slow set of symptoms. And I have a history also of just self-infections like, yeah. you know, parasites, H. pylori, Epstein bar. So it's sort of the hidden, the hidden things, you know, environmental toxicity issues. So I knew that was sort of happening. And then, um, three years ago, we were in a building fire. Oh, yes. Yeah. So tell us a bit more. So can you give us like a little quick synopsis? There was like, it wasn't that your apartment was on fire, but there was a lot of smoke. Our, right? floor, our floor was on fire. Right. Um, our neighbors. Um, so we were in a building fire and yeah. in the middle of the night, none of the fire alarms in our building went off. It was terrible. So like, luckily somebody banged the shit out of our door, woke us up. Yeah. Um, but, and two of our neighbors died. It was mm-hmm. um, really horrible, but I got some smoke inhalation. Mm-hmm. Um trying to get my 90 year old neighbor out of the building. Um, and after that, I had this kind of, I had this, this progressive decline. Now, granted I had a death in the family right after that, somebody very close to me. Um, and you know, and it's like, all oh, that's trauma and trauma stays in the body. Yes. You know, it's not always just food and exercise and sleep and stress. It's like a trauma can be a stress. It can be, you know, it can get stuck and trapped in the body. Um, but also smoke inhalation from an old building in New York city, that's over a hundred years old. Um, there are probably going to be some mycotoxins and molds and other things in that. And, um, probably the combination of the year before having that mold exposure and already having some issues and then being exposed with smoke inhalation. Yeah. Um, from an old building that's not well cared for. And we know, you know, there have been leaks and other things. Um, And so it kind of brought me back to, I started having a lot of problems. And then a few months, you know, about three months ago, found out I have um, wicked mycotoxin (laughs) poisoning. So um, okay, Okay, time out. You can't just say wicked mycotoxin poisoning and then just keep going. So will you, Please enlighten us. What does that mean? <laughs> Do you have like, like mycotoxins are just different? They're different kinds of environmental molds. You can't see them; they hide out. Um, but what's what? but, but hold on, they hide out in what? Like where are they? Where everywhere from your housing to your air conditioning. Right. They can be in your clothing. They can be hard. in your books. If you thrift, if you this, if you mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean they can show up in a million um, places. Right. Um, and they're, you know, tricky to get rid of mm-hmm. and tricky to keep out of your system. So what I sort of learned in the process of all this is 
I have a long history of mold. And the reason I did so well on a candida cleanse yeah. is I cleared all the yeast, but I never knew my yeast was actually mold. And so I never cleared the molds from before. So I was doing really well. Things were slowly kind of inclining back in, if you will. And then I had a couple big exposures and it just sent my immune system, everything overboard. And because I already had a history of, um, and why I had cleared a lot of this stuff, parasites and H pylori, um, a lot of those parasitic infections thrive on mycotoxins. And so it all sort of piggybacks. So what I had sort of gone through was this, I had healed my immune system. <laughs> I was doing awesome. And then it was like somebody slowly turned the dial back on in my body over time. So we were talking about maintenance, right? And like, so it was like, I was doing maintenance. I just wasn't doing the right kind of maintenance totally. for what my system needed. Cause I didn't know what I thought was this certain amount of symptoms. Yes. It's actually something else that mimics those same symptoms. And that's something we see a lot. That's why it's important to work with good practitioners because um, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, something like mycotoxins can have like 30, 40 symptoms. And that's just checking the boxes of a gazillion different things. And so it becomes this, um, you know, we're fortunate to have uh, testing, Mm -hmm. which is one piece in the puzzle. It is not the whole puzzle. It's where intuition comes in. It's where, you know, process of elimination and checking boxes and, and, and looking at patterns. I mean, there, you know, the whole, what, what I'm getting from, from what all that you shared so far is that there was a clear there was a whole needle to thread between your connection to candida and yeast overgrowth and asthma and f- feeling like dog, you know, after knowing that you were exposed in that house at 19 years old, you know, your immune system was so taxed, you you ended up with a viral infection that most, you know, most young people don't ever get exposed to. Um, and then that moves you. And so, and then you could see those cycles keep, keep repeating, which is just a pattern and, and over a, a longer period of time, which takes some, a moment, it takes you know, like the wherewithal to look back and have a moment to just honor the past, look at the past, see, see, see what, what happened and where you are and try and try to find those, those patterns. So how, how do you get tested for, for microtoxins before we move on? Um, there's a couple different companies that test. Um, one is real time laboratories. There's okay. another one called great Plains, Um, and then there's also a really amazing company called Cellcor. Um, that is doing a lot of really amazing products for clearing, you know, mycotoxins and other sort of hidden infections. And the rule of thumb is that you kill it, you sweat it, you kill it, you bind it and you sweat it. So, you know, it's then that's where it's like, it's very strategic. You can't just go and like, great. If your detox pathways are not open and you go and you try to bind stuff, um, this isn't something that I would say like, go do this yourself. Um, and I've, I'm somebody who's always done a lot of self hacking, um, if you will, um, which is part of my, you know, sort of how I got into functional medicine and other things, um, sort of in the process and fermentation and stuff. But, um, it's a sort of fascinating area and there's a lot of connections with Parkinson's and MS and other sort of things through these, again, hidden infections, things that, um, 
and they get they get easily missed again most a good percentage of you know sort of traditional allopathic medicine doctors and practitioners are not trained to look for this stuff um and the ranges are different than like functional medicine and so it's again it's not a poo-poo on them it's just that they don't know um or haven't been trained to do the thing um and i think this is where like you know stuff like functional medicine um really shines because it just the lens of which we look through is different yeah Um, i will say this i think you know to compare the two let's say that like you know you're at this you're at a crossroads right now the person listening to our uh, us you know battle on about our, our, our own issues and our own symptoms but let's say that you're at a crossroads right now and you're trying to figure out do I stick with my my sort of mainstream western thought doctor or do I go more integrative and sometimes going more integrative in parallel to the western doc to sort of ride both for a little bit to see where each takes you to the point where you start to build that intuition muscle and sort of glean some insight about where each are taking you and how, and and if their treatments are supporting you, that's one way to go about it. But I also want to want to reiterate into, into your point, Cheryl, is that um, some of the integrative modalities are pretty non-invasive the way that the, the way that integrative medicine is is being used is also sort of harnessing the body's ability to shed its own illness rather than using a, 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 the pharmaceutical route which is adding which is a sort of can sometimes mask a symptom rather than getting down to the root cause do you find that that was true for you that like you were you when you look back at the western angle that was treating your asthma and treating your other symptoms that you were masking versus treating the root how how would you describe that yeah i mean i had a pretty big wake up that pharmaceuticals are band-aids they're yeah. you know not doing like getting to the root of what it is um, and so, um, what's it yeah. scary though, to like walk away from that when, like we, when you think back to being 20, you know, 21 and you were like, you know, you don't know what you know now. Back then a little bit, I would say, yeah, that was kind of, but it was also all I knew. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know there was another <laughs> like thing. Um, but I think, you know, what I think for me, also kind of a big shift in the sort of my journey is um, I had started my healing journey. What I sort of a gap in what I didn't know is I had started a new job um, and I didn't have my vaccine records from when I was a kid, my doctor's office had burned down and I had all my titers checked and turned out um, I wasn't immune for measles, mumps, rubella. Mm -hmm. And I had to, get uh, vaccinated for measles for MMR. And um, when my titers were checked, I couldn't build immunity to the measles. And I was actually boosted again and had a vaccine injury after that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that for me was a big pivotal like moment um, where I realized, um, whoa, something's really whack. It was a big, for me, that was a big sort of, um, 
I think line in the sand of my thinking. And I started getting a lot more interested in, you know, sort of getting even further away from (laughs) um, the allopathic kind of band-aided sort of way of thinking. Um, And so I was there, but it wasn't all the way there. But that for me, that moment was a big, um, a big shift. Yeah. 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 And that's why I chose functional medicine. It's (laughs) like function, (laughs) like do the thing, you know, like apply the thing, get to the root of the thing, get people well, keep them well, you know, it's like not a hundred percent like anti, anti pharmaceuticals. Like sometimes it's rapid relief to get the person to the next place. But with the goal of, if I can get you off your meds, if you can get off of, you know, you were on eight and you're down to two or one or none or whatever it is, like we want, you know, we want to thrive. And I think, you know, the kind of addition to that is for me was like the reality of like, Oh God, the body is so smart. Mm. The body is smart. Like why we don't need to intervene with nature and the body's wisdom. Right. We need to support the body so it can do the thing that it has been innately made to do. And, and that I think was when I fully blossomed and it was like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Like, Oh, it's yeah. all like weird and wonky and you know, yeah. wacky and you yeah. know again, like if my arm gets ripped off I want a surgeon you know I'm not anti like sometimes you know, know. sometimes antibiotics and things can be life-saving but um that if we are in our place of strength and we are thriving and we are strong and we are well well cared for and watered and sunned and all the different things that Ideally, we don't need to, we shouldn't have to do and or need to lean into this other end of stuff. And that I think is really um, yeah. sort of the foundation, right? Because it brings us back to um, whole body wellness. Whole and it brings- body. Yeah. Yeah. And it also like when I think about how we go from making the shift of trusting our bodies and accepting some of our symptoms, some of our symptoms are not going to go. This is also it. Sorry. I mean, back up a minute. Integrative medicine is, can be more of a marathon. There are moments when, when you take something out, like, like when gluten was removed from my body and, and dairy and the brain fog went zoop and the weight went down and I felt better and it was clear. And then there, there can be long sluggish roads that feel like a marathon. Yeah. And that been long and drawn out and it's taken a long time and it's taken a lot of effort and money and sometimes switching practitioners and finding, you know, different people. And, and I've had different like waves of success with different practitioners. You know, it's like what Meg started my journey. Jessica played a huge part. Jessica Van Kent played, played a huge part in my journey and getting rid of my parasites and this and that. And it was amazing. You know, then the mycotoxins and different things came about and I realized like something else was up and I started working with Melissa Hobner. And I remember walking into my first session with her um, a few months ago. And the first thing she said to me, she goes, okay, what's your intuition? Mycotoxins or food testing? Ooh. First first day, right out of the gate. What's your sense? 
which one do you do? And I was like, immediately, I was like, mycotoxins. Yeah. Like, I was like, 100%. Good. Yeah. Because, you know, it, because at that point with all of your own tooling around and your, your obsession with, with, a, a, and I'll grant it a healthy obsession with food, you've worked really diligently of figuring that out at this point. I mean, you know, it's been a long journey. Um, and I think, and I think anybody who's been at this point, um, you know, where, where we are, I mean, certainly allergies can crop up and new sensitivities can crop up. Um, I'm actually just to share a little moment. I'm, I'm thinking that I actually probably have a pretty rapid sensitivity to peanuts. Um, I'm starting to get headaches every time I eat something related to peanut butter. So there's that. Uh, What'd you say? It could be mycotoxins. <laughs> it could be mycotoxins. I know. Um, because, and let's just share that because nuts and, and legumes, you know, because they're of their storage issues and their their shelf life can easily accumulate some some little buggies um, on their journey, um, and that can translate into mycotoxins when you eat them. Um, anyway, sorry <laughs> to, to be clear as to why, why peanut butter would, would lend itself to microtoxins and coffee um, and your coffee. <laughs> what do you mean? Get my coffee. What does that mean? Your coffee. Coffee is like such a big, like red flag for microtoxins. Oh, you know what? I am, I am a tea drinker, which, which might also be laden with other issues since it, it can be sits around. Yeah. Yes. You know, we should do a whole, we should have somebody come on and talk to us about microtoxins because clearly this is like a thing. Um, and we're not going to, we're going to go down in some rabbit hole, but I just want to, I want to just share though, that like, thank you. I want to just give a sign of gratitude to you though, Cheryl, for like, for sharing so diligently because yours is like a mystery novel. Mine was like, uh, you know, a, a cha- like a chapter novel, like one in, uh, like not, not one and done, but like two, two or three, four chapters. And, and I was on a steady pace, but you've certainly been seeing some, some Nancy drew mystery over, over there. Well, Maybe. no story is, you know, I think the cool thing is it's like, no story is better than the other story. It's just no, that it's not a comparison. Yeah, no, not no, that, no. that we all have different stories, right? That's the, that's the whole point of peeling the onion. We all have our own onion. They're all different, right? We all have our unique ways in which we get there. And, you know, you and I are both practitioners. And yet, you know, it also just goes to show, like, we are not, just because we're practitioners and we're trying to, you know, be healthy and stay healthy doesn't mean we are always you know, always on par either, or that we don't need support, you know? I mean, the minute I was like, oh, wow, this might be mycotoxins and X, Y, and Z. I was like, I just need to get a practitioner, like another one, not just for maintenance. Like I was like, I need the support, you know, like, yeah. And it's okay to say that. Like, yeah. And I was going to say, like, I, I didn't share in my journey that, um, you know, once I went to get my master's degree in, my second master's in nutrition and integrative health, you know, at, while I was working a full-time job and and juggling a whole bunch of things and also trying to get pregnant, I realized that I, I was, I was hypothyroid. And so, you know, and without Western medicine and the support in, in, in my case, and, and I just want to make this, this, this example without Western medicine and in my preferences of getting 
having being medicated for the thyroid dysfunction. Some people rather treat the thyroid dysfunction from the root and rebuild and recalibrate and support it. However, in my case, I knew that I was going to just keep barreling a hundred miles a minute and that to recalibrate and rebuild the thyroid and run a hundred miles a minute was never going to work. And so I do still, I do still prefer pharmaceutical support in that case while I, while I support my endocrine system and do all the things that I need to do, you know, from a homeopathic perspective. And so, um, anyway, I just want to share that, like, we, we all are doing our thing. We, we need, I think in this industry, there's a tendency to, to judge one another really quickly for our choices or lack of choice or lack of direction and, um, and, or to be hard on ourselves because we haven't resolved it. And I will say, and I think I can, I speak for you a little bit too, Cheryl. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like, there's some inner, there's some inner emotional work that has to be done, you know, mm-hmm. to like get, get through our shit. Cause not all of this is just physical, right? Right. No. Yeah. And again, like it's the, it is the physical, it is the food, it is our sleep. And it's our emotional, spiritual yeah. connection yes. and, all, and, the, and all the things. And so, um, yeah. you know, and even like the placebo, nocebo effect, there's just so many, you know, so many components and also um, that we all have the ability to control and choose yes. the road we want to go down. 100%. Um, which I think is the coolest, coolest part about it. Right. It is. Yes. And, and that's a really good place to wrap up, I think. And so as we, as we are all on our journeys of peeling back our onions and supporting one another in these journeys, we're all here just to share, share information, share um, the woes, the highs and the lows um, of this path and that we're all on. Um, And remember that you're all worth it. Like Mm -hmm. your health is wealth and, you know, even if the journey is hard, that doesn't mean that it's not worth doing. Yes, it is. There is, there is glory on the other side, (laughs) as they say. Unicorns, baby. (laughs) Yeah, right. Woo. All right. Well, we're signing off. Um, We hope everybody stays happy and healthy and, and, you know, honor yourself and, and honor your process. Nothing, nothing is, is gained without some messiness. So enjoy. See you you guys soon on our next episode of peeling the onion. Bye. Ciao. You have just finished another episode of Peeling the Onion podcast. Music is by Greg Dijazoo. You can also stay in touch with us over Instagram at Peeling the Onion Podcast and on our website at PeelingTheOnionPodcast.com. We would love to receive your feedback on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Peeling back the onion.